a top pitching prospect just got more valuable in redraft leagues. We have some updates on the Rays. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had the uh, three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, March 23rd. I'm Al Melgier, and I am here with Derek Van Riper. And DVR, um, there have been some developments, you know, even without baseball, that are affecting players' values. And one uh, recent piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer dealt with Spencer Howard, and uh, it seems like he could really uh, wind up uh, playing a much larger uh, portion of the season, maybe the entire season, uh, whenever that starts, uh, according to this report from uh, Scott Lauber in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Philly's looking to manage his workload, but obviously with the late start to the season, uh, should that happen? Uh, that's that's not going to be a concern for Spencer Howard. So he's got a 5-10 ADP in NFBC leagues. Where do you think Spencer Howard should actually be owned when the season starts? I think he has the kind of stuff that could actually make him viable in 12-team mixed leagues. He'd be one of your absolute last picks in a league that shallow. Uh, but I think this would definitely put him onto opening day rosters in 15-team mixers. I think Howard was interesting in NL-only leagues all along, drafted hold leagues. He was a guy people were definitely thinking about because even if he was going to be delayed to start the season in the sense of going down to the minors and getting promoted, uh, it would probably be a pretty early season promotion for him anyway. So you know, with Howard, we have a guy who can get to the upper 90s, even touch triple digits with his fastball. Uh, he's got a well above average slider as well. Uh, also throws a changeup and a curveball. So four potential pitches there. At least three of them seem to be above average. Uh, this is a guy that I think has probably like number two starter type upside, which in terms of fantasy pitchers could make him an eventual top 10 guy. I don't think we're to see that in 2020, but he has everything you're looking for in a good starter. And he's coming off of an outstanding 2019 season uh, where he pitched pretty much well across the board, including during his time in the Arizona Fall League as well. Yeah, pitched really well in the AFL and uh, spent most of the the regular season. We missed two months of it with a sore shoulder, which is why there's the concern about managing his innings, but uh, split the rest of it between uh, advanced class A in the Florida State League and then double A Eastern League. And as you, you said, DVR performed well at all levels. Uh, he also spent a little bit of time uh, rookie league. So really a bunch of different levels, but a 2.03 ERA and almost 12 strikeouts per nine innings and only two walks per nine innings innings. Uh, that's a nice combination to see. I don't know exactly how well that would translate to the majors right away. And I, I want to kind of go, go back to the original question and then now tweak a little bit based on your answer, because you were saying he's a sort of uh, an obvious type of target in the late rounds or reserve rounds in a 12-team in league. That totally makes sense. That's where you, you, you take your dart throws. But what about like a 15-team mixed league uh, he's certainly viable to be drafted there. That's obvious, but you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where he's probably not going to be available to make that dart throw in the late rounds. Uh, and again, this is assuming, uh, that you've got this draft still coming up ahead. So how early would you be willing to take a flyer on Howard in that kind of league where you can't necessarily count on getting him, uh, inexpensively? 
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the ADP is going to go up as this news kind of goes around. So I'd probably be thinking about him in the pick 250 to 300 range. I think at that point, the the replacement value is pretty comparable to what you're you're drafting. You, you don't feel that bad cutting a player at that stage in your draft. Uh, if things don't work out, if he doesn't get the job as expected, if he hits a rough patch to begin his big league career, you could make that change pretty quickly and, and not think twice about it. And I think that's early enough where you're still going to get him. If you start looking at some of the pitchers who go in that range right now, that's where Sandy Alcantara, Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease, uh, that's that's where those guys sort of begin. And then the back part of that group, you know, Jordan Montgomery, not quite a prospect, but a guy coming off Tommy John, Dustin May, Brandon McKay, guys like that start to kind of creep into the back of that group or just after. So I think if you start to look at Spencer Howard, the way you look at some of those guys, kind of similar to Nate Pearson, perhaps, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the appropriate valuation to get them and to have your expectations sort of at an appropriate place. Yeah, well, that Nate Pearson comp is, is I think, a really good one. And you know, even if we do talk about pitchers like Brendan McKay, who didn't have, uh, you know, he didn't have a great first season in the majors, so it's almost like that same type of risk where the upside is clearly very, very high, uh, and yet you could see the potential for uh, a pitcher, you know, whether it's Howard or McKay, somebody like that, Nate Pearson, coming in and you know maybe putting up a five ERA uh, in their first or second time around. So, I think those are are excellent comps. Uh, we've got an update on an ongoing story here. Uh, Aaron Judge, this one just keeps developing, actually. It turns out he had a collapsed lung, but that that situation's resolved itself. The lung apparently is fine now, and also some pretty good news in terms of the uh, stress fracture of his rib that he recently had a CT scan done, and it showed some slight improvement and due for uh, another check on that in two weeks. Uh, personally, DVR, I feel like it's, you know, too early to really talk about any kind of stock movement up or down with Aaron Judge. This is a developing thing, as is opening day. That's a developing thing. So uh, to me, this is just data just to take in and, and tuck away. Yeah, I mean, it's encouraging. Um, the collapsed lung was new in terms of being reported, right? That didn't come up mm-hmm. initially no. with the uh, stress fracture in the ribs. So a bit surprising that that was kind of kept under wraps this long. Uh, glad to hear that that has recovered, but uh, I, I think he is one of those players who, you know, if, if surgery was on the table, that had to have been a pretty severe stress fracture, and you know, the prolonged delay to start the season gives him more time to rest. But it still may not be enough for him to be hundred percent. I don't think it's guaranteed at this point. It's this is an encouraging step, but we need to hear more before it really changes the way I look at Aaron Judge. Yeah, and no, I absolutely agree there. Uh, we've got uh, a, a situation also developing, or I guess it's not really developing because the the teams are all, uh, you know, uh, not uh, you know not uh, in their their uh, facilities at this point. But um, uh, a, a situation with Oakland with the second base uh, position that that's very unclear. And I want to get to that and kind of take a slightly different angle than we've taken when we've talked about it before. But before we talk about that, uh, just a few other. Uh, injury updates, a couple of big ones, actually. Uh, Tyler Beattie, um, he had uh, Tommy John surgery, as did Andres Munoz. Now, neither player looked to be a major contributor in mixed leagues, although Beattie certainly is profiling as somebody that you could own in a 15-teamer, and he could be could be useful, could have been a sleeper. Uh, Munoz, uh, you know, very specific appeal there in terms of saves plus holds leagues. 
but I think he was uh, certainly a lot of people were counting on him to be a major part of that very, very deep Padres bullpen. And of course, now BD and Munoz both out for the year. And this one really surprised me, DVR. Uh, the Mariners have released Sam Tuivalala. It's one of a number of kind of trickling transactions that we've seen over the last few days. But that one was more of a head turner than some of the others because I, I've seen Tuivalala drafted in some of my leagues, deeper ones. But um, I think some people were kind of seeing him as a dark horse for saves in Seattle, and that's uh, clearly not going to be the situation anymore. So uh, does that clarify for you at all who you think will get saves with the Mariners? No, I mean, I thought I thought Sam Tuivalala was one of the guys that could have been definitely a, a solid option in this bullpen, but it's still wide open. You have Carl Edwards Jr., you have... Dan Altavia, you have Yoshi Hirano, you have Matt McGill if he's healthy, uh, Austin Adams, who's you know going to be out for a while due to injury, he would have been an option. And then you have any of the potential starters who don't make the rotation who could hang around. So you know, maybe someone like Eric Swanson or Justin Dunn, probably more likely Swanson in this case, given that there are other starters there with Marco Gonzalez, Kikuchi, Taiwan Walker, Justice Sheffield. You know, maybe they go older with that fifth starter spot with one of Graveman or Wee-In Chen, and then Eric Swanson goes from extra starter to late-inning contributor. So there's a few different ways it could play out still. It's one of the few teams where I'm not even throwing that many darts because from a skill standpoint, no one has jumped off the page to me to the point where I think it's worthwhile. Uh, if I'm in a 20-team league and, and chasing saves, maybe in something like that, uh, I could throw a... a endgame dart at one of these guys but in most formats i'm just staying away from the seattle bullpen yeah i i am too i did see a report and i can't recall if it was the athletics Corey brock or not so i don't want to uh clearly attribute this to him if i read it elsewhere but uh that somebody was expecting that uh, uh hirano would be the most likely to get the bulk of the saves but uh, sort of similar to the race situation, which we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, but I want to get back to that A's position battle at second base because I read a piece on MLB.com that mentioned a name I had not seen mentioned before in that mix. And the uh, the feeling coming out of, of spring training, uh, you know, now, of course, you know, being suspended, but the, the coming out of it, uh, it seemed like Tony Kemp and Franklin Barreto probably were going to you know, they were on track to start the year as a platoon. But a third name has emerged, and it's not Jorge Mateo or Sheldon Noisy. It's uh, Vimiel Machine. And uh, he is a Rule 5 pick from the Cubs organization. And an older player, but um, a nice season at Double A Tennessee last year 294, 386, 403 slash line, walks a ton. So not shocking uh, to see him in the on the A's, and I know Moneyball is ages ago, but <laughs> um, you know, great on base skills there. So uh, you know, kind of intriguing. Uh, do you think that he? I, I don't even want to generalize this to Rule Five players because I think that Machine's really the only one among the Rule Five players who seems like he's got a shot at some kind of prominent role. Uh, do you think that this helps him with the shorter season? That you know, that there's less risk of kind of hiding him on the roster somewhere yeah it seems like it's easier to do that with uh, rosters being larger this season and with the season almost certainly being less than 162 games so uh, with machine i think it's basically him versus tony kemp for that roster spot tony kemp doesn't have minor league options left if they decide machines the better fit 
Kemp goes on waivers, probably gets claimed by a less competitive team, and you know, Machine kind of goes into an ongoing battle with the other names that you mentioned. Um, you know, Sheldon Noisy, who's going to begin the year probably at AAA. Uh, Jorge Mateo, if he's still around. Franklin Barreto. Those guys are all still going to be in the mix, even if Machine wins the job. But he's one of those guys that I had no expectations for at the beginning of draft season. And now I am looking at him as at least an ale only reserve dart, if not maybe even a draft and hold sort of consideration. Yeah. And in those deeper leagues, you really have to consider him just for the, the team name potential. Rage against the machine. <laughs> goes to the machine. Yeah, you could go on for a full fifteen minutes just just with machine <laughs> puns. <laughs> well, we'll we'll keep them uh, keep them on our radar just for that uh, purpose. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, speaking of uh, building teams, uh, we have talked a bit on the show already about out of the park. Uh, it's one of the great options that you have right now to actually play some fantasy baseball. They've just re- released their uh, OOTP Baseball Twenty One version, uh, a sim of the two twenty. 2020 season uh, based on projections. I'll be participating in the league. DVR, I think you are too. Is that correct? Yeah, we're doing a a 30-teamer with some of the MLB riders at The Athletic, and I'm filling one of the spots. Fantastic. So we want to give you a chance to also uh, play uh, out-of-the-park baseball. And so uh, they have been very, very kind uh, to give us uh, some keys to give away. So we are going to, over the next uh, several shows have a trivia question, and um, I'm going to let you know what the the question is here. I'm also going to tweet out the question. If you know the answer to the question or you just want to take a a, a stab at it, (laughs) reply to my tweet. I'm at Al Melchior, B-B-A-L-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R-B-B, at Al Melchior, B-B, on Twitter. Look for the tweet of the link to the show. It will include this question. Respond to that. And then uh, we are going to do a drawing of um, all the, cor- uh, the all the people who correctly respond to the question. And DVR, we're going to do this by noon Eastern. Was that the? I think the noon Eastern is a good cutoff. Yeah, we'll we'll try that because this is an early morning show for most people. We, we don't want to make it just a, a race to be first. So if you yeah. get the correct answer to Al by noon Eastern on Monday, you're eligible to win. All right, so, uh, and I will uh, DM you the key if you're the winner. So, uh, all right, here is the question. And again, this will also be uh, on Twitter and through my account. In what year did the Cincinnati Reds lift their ban on players' facial hair? In what year did the Cincinnati Reds lift their ban on players' facial hair? So tweet the correct answer at me uh, in response to the link to the show, and uh, I will do a drawing of those who have correct answers. So um, should have fun with that. Uh, It's a fun game. It's worth giving it a try. So let's move on to our featured read. This one's from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Great beat writer covering the Rays. Uh, He has a piece, 10 things we think we knew before the Rays season was paused. A lot of really kind of interesting tidbits in here. I'll just uh, share a a couple of them, but it's worth reading the whole thing because it affects a lot of the players on the roster. Uh, One of his um, insights uh, or or, uh, things that he thought was true uh, with the season was put on pause was that uh, the Razor could go back to using Austin Meadows as a leadoff hitter against righties uh, platooning in that spot with Yandy Diaz. Of course, Meadows later in the season pushed further down the lineup 
And Nick Anderson, this one's not surprising, but to get it confirmed that Nick Anderson is supposed to uh, or is expected to get the bulk of the saves. So that Austin Meadows tidbit, uh, DVR, does that change anything for you? Not too much. I was looking at what they were doing with him last year. Uh, He was leading off pretty often against righties, moving down in the order against lefties when he played. And his role against lefties grew as the season went on. So I would assume that he at least picks up where he left off at the end of 2019. If he were to struggle in a big way against lefties, maybe the Rays lean into their depth and and give him some days off against particularly tough southpaws. Uh, But yeah, this was a, a really nice piece from Mark. I mean, it answers a lot of questions we had about this team as spring training was rolling along, especially the closer situation. Yep, yep. So check all that out because, like I said, these are just two of several pieces that I think could have an impact on how you value players. So do check that out for Mark Topkin. And uh, with that said, we're going to wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And remember that uh, The Athletic is now running a, uh, a free trial for three months So go to any uh, column on The Athletic, and at the top, there's a link to uh, get that three-month free trial. Or if you're just ready to go ahead and uh, have a paid subscription, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And of course, everything that we do is a part of that subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a a rating and a review, uh, we would also greatly appreciate if you took the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper... I'm Al Melkier. We'll be back here on Tuesday. 